All right, we're back. Um, we're on part two of my uh, spring road trip recap. I'm going to pick up at the day I had the uh, event in Atlanta at the swag shop. So we got up pretty early that morning of Wednesday, May 3rd, my girl and I. And uh, we walked over to a little spot called the Silver Skillet for breakfast, which was super cute, super old-timey diner. Looked like it had been there since the 50s, unchanged. I noticed how a lot of the interior was damaged from water and sun and stuff, and I thought it was cool, actually, that they left it alone and didn't repaint everything. really showed its age. I, I dug it, and it was... Uh, it was good. Hit the spot. Got our day going good. Then we walked back over to the uh, hotel and got our shit together for the day. And uh, as we were leaving, uh, we noticed uh, across the street from the the hotel, across the highway, there were lots of cars, like uh, cop cars, um, unmarked uh, SUVs with blacked out windows with lights. It's like a crazy fucking commotion. And, uh, I remember, uh, saying to Em, I, I thought maybe the president or a senator or something was, uh, was over there getting, uh, escorted, you know, cause there were just so many, uh, police and government vehicles. Um, but we weren't really tripping on it. We weren't going that direction. And, uh, so we just headed out and, uh. We went over to the uh, Little Five Points neighborhood, I think it was what it was called, to a, a vintage shop called The Clothing Warehouse that uh, M had uh, researched and was excited to see. And they had a lot of cool stuff there. And also just we noticed in that neighborhood were lots of other vintage stores. Uh, so we went to every one that we could and uh, found a lot of cool stuff. I got... Uh, recognized at the first place which was cool and then uh uh ended up seeing him later on uh when we were just kind of cruising around but uh, that's always nice when i'm in a, a new place and uh i get recognized uh we uh needed to get over to the uh the swag shop in edgewood uh to do the poster sale and I think that was from like three to six in the afternoon. Um, and there was really no street parking anywhere near there. So we ended up having to research and find a uh, public parking facility where I could park my car safely. Um, and then we had to call a lift from there because I had uh, two boxes of posters to sell at the at the sale so it's kind of a pain in the ass to do that but we got it done uh got over to the swag shop got set up met everybody there everybody was super fucking nice it was a really nice photographer that was there hanging out shooting pics and stuff and all the barbers uh there were really nice to us and uh at some point my buddy killer mike uh showed up um Killer Mike is in a rap group called Run the Jewels, if you've never heard of them. Um, it's funny how many people I run into that haven't heard of Run the Jewels, considering they're 
I think, in the top five rap acts in the world right now. <laughs> Had lots of albums and stuff. People are just, I don't know, listening to the radio too much, I suppose. But in any case, uh, Mike came by. Uh, we had hung out a few times in Colorado previously, so I was psyched to see Mike again. He's one of my favorite people. Super intelligent dude. Really good business head. Uh, his wife's super rad too, Shay. Really like Shay. Vibe with her. We're both, I guess all of us, kind of stoners. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was really that was really cool. I just had my uh, table set up and a few people came by. What f started to come out, I think once we were at Swag Shop, was that what I had thought was a the president or something visiting Atlanta turned out to be an active shooter. Um, <laughs> some guy, yeah, I don't know, just started shooting up a medical clinic or something, and it happened to be directly across the street from our hotel. And oddly, on the same corner where we had uh, tacos the night before, <laughs> uh, this guy just got loose and somehow escaped and was on the loose in the afternoon. And I think they apprehended him like 25 miles away in the evening. Uh, but during the day, it was kind of chaos and it was all over the news and people were asked to s shelter inside just in case this guy was out and got wild and started shooting again. Um, so I think most people were uh, deterred from coming to the poster sale, <laughs> to be honest. It was pretty hot on the streets. Uh, so turnout wasn't great. We did have a lot of people that were like, seemed like the neighborhood people and, you know, were, uh, you know, uh, not too worried about the active shooter <laughs> that came over. <clears throat> and I did have a lot of fun smoking joints out front with Mike and, uh, catching up and just that whole neighborhood was really cool. And even just in terms of like us getting to know each city as we went along, it was really cool to hang out in a, a local barber shop for a few hours in Atlanta and get a feel for the people and the vibe and the attitude and the creativity and the, the whole nine. It was really, really cool. I, I had a super, super fun time there. Um, after, at like six, we just, you know, kind of got shit together. Um, I remember actually before we split, Em and I went to uh, the little bodega next door and they had these little uh, plastic bottles of like liqueur um, kind of stuff that were only like 69 cents. Seemed like the kind of thing that like a... Uh, a homeless alcoholic might drink a lot of because <laughs> they were so cheap, but she had never seen anything like that in the, the you know, like a kind of a hood little corner store. So we got it for her and it was pretty nasty. It was just like, I forget what, it was like wine actually, like fortified wine flavored with apple. Super nasty. But I think she enjoyed it just for the experience. <laughs> so we ended up getting a, a lift back over to our car everything was cool there and uh, drove back to the hotel and uh, took a little break we were pretty exhausted at that point and I uh, did a little research and uh, found that they had a Houston's or Houston's restaurant 
in uh, Atlanta, and I'd been to some in California, and they were really nice, like steak spots. Um, so drove over there, and as soon as we pulled up, realized that it was all valet parking, and it was a lot fancier than the other ones I'd been to in California. So we decided not to go there, and literally ended up across the street from there at uh, Benihana. And uh, M had never been to a Benihana, so it was kind of Benihana's fun the first time. And, you know, it can be fun if you take somebody who's never been before. But if you're unfamiliar, it's like, uh, I think I call it hibachi style. So they cook your meal in front of you on a hot grill. And uh, they do all these crazy tricks with the knives um, and stuff, like throwing them around and spinning them and making it look like they, uh, you know, threw something at you. And at the last second, they would catch it right before it would hit your face. And it it was a it's good fun. But uh, if you're just looking for a a nice meal in and out, it's definitely not the fucking place. We we ended up being there for like two hours. (laughs) And uh, it was fun. It was worth it. Uh, M had a really fun time there. It was silly. Uh, and then we we went back to the hotel again, I, I, if I remember right, and um, rolled up some joints and then hopped in the car and uh, drove about, what was it? It was about a half an hour, 40 minutes away from our hotel. I don't know what neighborhood we were in, but we went to a strip club called The Blue Flame to meet uh, Killer Mike and his wife there. And... Uh, we got there a little early, and I, I fucked up and drove, tried to drive in the exit, and they, I got yelled at immediately. <laughs> I blew it. And then I drove around and parked, and <clears throat> eventually a parking attendant came by. I was like, hey, man, it's 20 bucks to park here. And I was like, all right, no sweat. Here you go. And uh, we just chilled and waited for Killer Mike to show up. And uh, pretty soon after he did, and uh, we... Uh, went inside we didn't get checked at the door or anything because we were with mike i think it's like his his like home club i think he was saying later that evening that that was the neighborhood that he grew up in when he was a kid where the club is and uh just has a lot of love for that place and a lot of people know him there and uh yeah so we we rolled in and you know one of the the first things I noticed, as M did too, is we were the only white people in there. <laughs> but uh, it, nobody was tripping. Nobody was staring at us weird, you know. Nobody was tripping, as far as I could tell. Um, it might have been because we were with Killer Mike, you know. I, I, I don't know how much of that would have factored into it, you know. I don't even know... If they would have let us in there, if we weren't with Mike, I, I really have no idea. I think it would not have been a problem, but I, I don't know. Um, so he had like a called in ahead and reserved like a, a little corner spot for us and kind of like a roped off little VIP section kind of thing. And uh, he uh, passed me a joint and I was like, what the fuck? Uh, so we had been able to smoke cigarettes at the strip club in I think that was Oklahoma City and that's the first time I'd seen a place where you could smoke cigarettes inside a strip club maybe other than Las Vegas I think you could smoke in the clubs there back in the day but 
in any case, um, so here we're at <laughs> fucking Blue Flame with Killer Mike in our own little spot, and uh, he, he fucking passes me a joint. I'm like, yo, we can smoke weed in here? And he's like, hell yeah. I was like, fucking holy shit. Like, that's like one of the one things that I wish I could do more often if I was just in a bar or a strip club or something and just be able to just smoke a joint would just make me so fucking happy and it just it's never ever possible but here we are in atlanta with killer mike and we can smoke fucking weed in the strip club and i just couldn't fucking believe it i was so hyped so i went nuts and i smoked a lot we smoked blunts (laughs) his homie uh that grew the weed that we were smoking showed up and he had some blunts rolled, I think, too. And he had, like, he was getting bottle service, like, Cristal or some shit. I forget what he had. Um, and uh, Mike told me that the lap dances there were only five bucks. But he was like, you know, I don't want you to pay for shit, so sit down. And he w- was giving girls just hundreds and just being like, give me to give me and my girl uh, uh, lap dances you know, like 20 of them (laughs) in a row. (laughs) It was was madness. And at first, things were pretty tame. The girls that were dancing for me and M were uh, definitely full contact, but weren't particularly trying to get us to touch them, you know, because we weren't sure what the rules were. Because, again, we had just been in some places where they had uh, no hands rules. So Em and I were just like, okay, we'll just kind of see how this goes and not make any assumptions. But after maybe the, I don't know, like maybe 10 of the 20 dances, they started putting our hands on them and asking us to shake their ass and squeeze their tits and everything. It was, it was, it was really fun. We were having a great time. The girls were amazing and very different and from each other in style and attitude and personality and you know you get 20 dances from the same girl it's you get to kind of get to know them a little bit and uh that was that was just so so damn fun and we, we were having such a good time and they were getting such a kick out of us uh just these this kind of silly tattooed uh white kid couple you know like I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking of us, but we were loving it, everything there. Uh, at some point, a security guard came over and had an issue with me and my girl. Uh, Killer Mike hopped up immediately and talked to the security guy about what was going on. Um, I think there might have been issue about us uh, touching the girls, even though the girls had put our hands on them. Um, and where uh, me and M were positioned, uh, everybody in the club could kind of see us, you know. And I think Mike suggested that, you know, maybe he would sit in the spot where I was and put his his wife Shay where my girl was so that we could be more in the corner away from people in case people were tripping and he ended up working it out and it was all good um we were able to just stay where we were and continue to have fun and I think even that's when the girls kind of turned it up a notch for us and asked us to 
touch them more and participate with them more once Mike had kind of cleared the air, uh, which was, again, I don't know how much of an issue that was, but Mike made it cool, and Em and I didn't feel weird at all, and we continued to have a fucking fantastic time. We were there for probably about two hours, and uh, we knew we needed to... (laughs) to get back because i think that the next day was going to be another big busy day so uh we were back at the hotel i think by 1 a.m uh that night and we're just like so fucking stoked on the whole experience at the blue flame if you're ever in atlanta and have a chance it's uh it's a, a really really cool place that's that's all i can say it was just absolutely amazing so the following day was uh thursday uh, May 4th. That was the day that we drove from Atlanta to New Orleans. Um, we left the uh, hotel pretty early because I had arranged to ha- uh, meet my buddy Keith for uh, breakfast in a town called Decatur just outside of Atlanta. And uh, it was fucking really cool to see Keith. We were friends from Albuquerque from back in the day. We wrote graffiti together and had lots of like life adventures and whatnot. And uh, just is a really neat guy. Love his style. I like his uh, personality and his demeanor. He's a real particular dude. And uh, we've had our kind of problems in the past, but it was kind of just silly bullshit, really. I always liked the dude. So, and I hadn't seen him in a long time in person. So uh, it was cool to catch up with him and have a really fucking good breakfast at a, a super dope spot. I think it was called Folk Art, if I remember right. Um, I remember too when we were leaving there. Uh, we, we, I don't think any of us had paid our uh, uh, parking meters. <laughs> so when we came out, there was a, a parking cop there giving out tickets, and we we're like, "Fuck," you know, and ran up hoping we didn't get any, and we didn't, and we were able to sneak in some photos before I uh, said goodbye and hit the road again. Um, that morning also, uh, M started her period and had a bit of an emergency and <laughs> we had to go to, uh, a Walmart and, uh, get a bunch of stuff. And, uh, and she was, she was back to, back to normal pretty much. Uh, it was just kind of a surprise thing. I remember. <laughs> and, uh, we, uh, Ended up getting to uh, New Orleans that day at 5 o'clock, so that, that was a long day. Uh, we drove over to uh, M's sister's place uh, where we were going to stay while we were there and uh, unloaded a bunch of stuff, and then uh, uh, I think we smoked some grass on the back porch there and we wanted to take showers and we're told that the pressure was really low during the daytime because you were at such a, a low elevation in New Orleans and I guess just the water pressure because there's so many people trying to use it during the day is really low. So if you're going to take a shower, you should do it at night. We thought that was pretty interesting. <laughs> but you're living in kind of an antique city that's been flooded numerous times. So I can understand how there would be some uh, problems like that. But uh, later on, we uh, drove over to the gallery, uh, to Mortal Machine Studio, and uh, dropped off uh, the posters and stuff so I wouldn't have to carry those over the next day. And 
met uh, Gabe, the owner of the gallery, who was super nice and a great host and very knowledgeable and helpful. And and my buddy B, B Gatz, uh, who was really the impetus behind me going to New Orleans in the first place. Uh, we had talked in October about uh, participating in a group show there in uh, New Orleans, and uh, there it was. We were doing it, and uh, it was really fucking nice to see him. And uh, that evening, uh, we met up with uh, with B and uh, Gabe from the gallery, and they took us out for dinner. We went to a place called Coop's Place that was fucking super old school and fun and loud and raucous and dusty, and oh, it was just amazing. And uh, we got a little boozed up there. We had some fried alligator. I remember that was really good. And uh, when we were ready to go, the waitress, I remember, asked us if we wanted one more round. And we were like, oh, sure, you know. And so she came back with another round for us in plastic cups, you know. And uh, Gabe, I think, stood up to leave. And I was like, aren't we going to? drink the drinks in, in my head you know and he was like all right let's go you can take the drinks to go and i was like oh fuck this is like vegas you can just walk around with alcohol it's no big deal and was like holy shit all right here we go <laughs> new orleans is on some other shit so we left there with with booze to go and uh just kind of walked around and explored the the french quarter and heard lots of live music and checked out all kinds of bugged out people and it was really it's just amazing like uh I had always wanted to visit New Orleans. I'd seen it in movies and stuff and have friends that were born and raised there that I really like and just seemed like such a cool place um, from afar. And to be there is just uh, just amazing. It's it's so cool to uh, to see in person. If you if you live in America or anywhere really and you've never been to New Orleans, I definitely recommend at least going for a day or two to check it out because it's... Uh, it's it's kind of like uh, the cities that I visited in Europe where they're very, very old and they show their age. And it's almost like you're li- walking through a living museum. Uh, New Orleans really felt like that. Like the facades of the buildings haven't changed in a long, long time. And you, the French influence is really, really, really obvious. And the cobblestone streets and the whole thing. It's, uh, it's a real special place in America. Um, you know, uh, and uh, I, I, I was really feeling it. The weather was just the fucking killer, though. It was just so fucking hot and humid the whole time. I, I It was unbelievable. I, it was almost like uh, what I remember Thailand being like, just absolutely incredibly sticky. Um, so let's see. Then the next day was uh friday may 5th cinco de mayo and that was the night of the show um i think that morning we were able to sleep in some which was nice because we were kind of constantly catching up with sleep the whole trip neither of us really slept that great in hotels for the most part so it's just kind of i don't know slowly but surely over the weeks getting a little more tired (laughs) Uh, we had a, a great breakfast that morning at a place called the Ruby Slipper Cafe. That was super fun. Uh, we were able to get uh, seated right away, um, we, and that was that place was great. I definitely recommend going there if you're in New Orleans. 
Um, from there, we just went back to um, M's uh, sister's place, and I rolled a bunch of joints to take on the road with me for the day, and uh, we ended up walking um, over to a vintage place called Low Timers. Um, it took us about 25 minutes to walk there, and it was in the midday sun, and it was it was pretty grueling at the end. <laughs> just the the heat and the humidity it, it just uh, it was just made me exhausted, you know. And I just felt so gross, just dripping in sweat and soaked right through my clothes. It, it just didn't feel comfortable at all, and kind of started to understand why people in New Orleans just came out at night. Like during the day, you didn't see many, many people walking around at all. Uh, but at night, it was like everybody came out, you know, and it was much, much more comfortable at night. So it made sense. But man, just trying to walk around there midday was gnarly. <laughs> uh, we uh, ended up catching a lift uh, back to M's sister's place, I think, from there because it was just so hot and gross. And, uh, I think she put uh, a show called White Lotus on the TV, and I had never seen that before. And we were pretty stoned, and <laughs> I just remember that being really fucking bizarre watching that show. Uh, we had agreed to uh, meet with my buddy B uh, before the uh, the art show opened uh, to check out the Voodoo Museum, and that was fucking really cool. Uh, another place I would recommend checking out. It's it's really small. It's just a, a maybe just a few. Fuck, what was it like? Three or four rooms, um, but tons and tons of really cool stuff. A lot of great ideas for like uh, tattoo designs and things. I thought it was uh, super super cool. And we were kind of feeling a little tired and down from the mugginess, so we walked over to uh, I think it was the original location of Cafe Du Monde. Um, famous like coffee and beignet spot. Um, I've seen the coffee cups from Cafe Du Monde all over the world, and uh, you know, and I always they uh, I think they said New Orleans on them. I can't remember, but it was cool to finally go myself to such a, a historical place, and it was really cool how they ran the restaurant and uh, the coffee was fucking bomb. And uh, we checked out the uh, the river there. Um, for a hot minute. I remember uh, B took a really, really nice photo of a kind of crazy uh, homeless guy. Uh, and that was, it was interesting to see B as a photographer interacting with uh, kind of the street folks. And uh, he had a real calming way with them and understanding and compassionate. And uh, he was able to get really good uh, expressions of life out of them, I think, for the camera, which is not an easy thing to do, especially with uh, the street sketchies. Um, and we, uh, I, th I think, too, I bought some backwoods. I don't know if I had smoked blunts the whole time, and I thought, man, art show in New Orleans is probably a blunt night. So uh, went back to the gallery and got set up and rolled some blunts. Um, when uh, the doors opened, I forget what time that was, maybe like 7 o'clock at night. Um, it was a big group show, and I just kind of had my table of posters set up in the middle so people could walk around me and uh, still be able to get up close to the artworks and have a good look. And uh, 
poster sales were really good, really solid, kind of through the whole time. A little bit of break kind of here and there so I could uh, chat with people that came by. And I chatted a lot with some of the artists in the show. I think there was like a little over 12 people or so in the show. Um, really, really nice people. Everybody I met was cool. Uh, New Orleans, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it creates some nice people. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, for most of the the poster sale and the and the the show uh m was gone doing stuff for for quite a while she was in back alone with a bottle of tequila like a little weirdo (laughs) friends of mine would go back there and see her and then come back and be like hey man your girl's in back all by herself she cool and i'm like yeah she's fine she's doing what she wants to do (laughs) she wants to be alone right now and kick it and have some tequila she's welcome to do that and then she uh, she came out of there and she went up the street to the uh, the other uh, gallery location. Mortal Machine has two gallery uh, sp- uh, addresses there in uh, the French Quarter, and uh, they were having a show of uh, ladies' fingernails and the the art of all of that. And my girl always has uh, crazy fingernails too, so she was vibing on that and was checking out that show and meeting all those girls and um having a good time and then she uh went and had drinks with her sister um uh, which was cool too so she wasn't just kind of sitting around uh <laughs> with me and uh I remember when she came back she told me that there was this uh creepy guy on mushrooms that was talking to her at the bar <laughs> and uh it, nothing too crazy but uh she she said it was it was funny um and then uh the show closed up and i packed up the posters and we all just kind of got everything locked down and uh kicked it outside for a little bit uh, i think that's it was towards the end of the that part of the evening when i met a girl that goes by dumb slut d-u-m-s-l-u-t uh an artist there in new orleans and uh I just, uh, I noticed her at first because she was drinking out of a wine bottle by herself, and I thought that was a power move and gave her props for that. <laughs> and uh, we just got talking, and uh, she's an artist too, and showed me her Instagram, and it was just one post, and she was explaining that she was very scared of sharing her artwork on Instagram because she thought people would steal it. And I was just like, fuck that, you know, if you, you got to share it if you because I think she too she wouldn't mind making a living just doing illustrations and whatnot and I was trying to tell her you know I was able to pull it off by doing posters and things and I I suspected she could too because her art's pretty good and uh just just encouraged her to try to share as I would do that with anybody you kind of can't really trip if somebody's gonna counterfeit or rip off your work you just got to keep your head down and keep making more work um it's it's kind of a dead end trying to chase down people that steal your shit so i try not to concern myself too much about it but at the same time you really gotta share your work that i think the more you share it the more you'll build a a following and that following might make it possible for you to make a living just uh doodling whatever the fuck you'd like you know and that's uh that's winning as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, but she was hella cool. 
and uh, we ended up splitting from the gallery, me and uh, me and M and B and Gabe, and went and had dinner. Remember, we had some absinthe at some point that <laughs> night. <laughs> Things got weird. Uh, we ended up having uh, an extension discover, uh, discussion of all the strip club options in New Orleans uh, from the locals' perspective because there were so many options. And uh, I, I think in the end it was decided that M and I should visit uh, Rick's Cabaret uh and so we did we we cruised down there uh the door guy was super nice i can't remember there might have been a small cover charge to get in there um but once we were inside it was nice um it was pretty hopping not super crowded but plenty of girls plenty of people it was it was popping um we got seated near a stage and ordered some drinks um, pretty soon after we would, we were there, um, maybe only within the first five or 10 minutes, a really gorgeous, tall, uh, blonde woman named, uh, Maya, uh, sat down with us and started talking and we asked her what the rates were and what the rules were for touching and all that kind of stuff. And she was, um, very, you know, uh, transparent with us and gave us the lowdown. And I think M also explained that she was um, kind of on the hunt for a girl to have a threesome with. And uh, the strip clubs were proving to be uh, a good angle for that in some ways, uh, considering uh, how well we did at the, the club in Albuquerque. And if you haven't heard that story, you need to go back to part one and hear that story. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, we kicked it with Maya for a little bit, and then she left, and she came back with another girl. Uh, I think her name was Summer, and she was super cute, uh, not as tall as Maya, um, different body size. So- kind of shape and whatnot but she was really really cute too and uh, explained to us that uh, she had an older uh, boyfriend like M does because M's about 30 and I'm around 50 and that was the same as this girl Summer's uh, relationship with her dude so she was just kind of vibing on us and was feeling it and I think she was kind of open to having uh, threesomes with couples here and there. I think Maya knew that, and that's why she grabbed her. So they basically they didn't really talk us into it, but we agreed to get uh, two dances from both of them so they could switch. Um, so me and M could each get a dance from each of them. And I think they were like... I think they were like 50 bucks each because it was for the, the two of us. So uh, the two dances cost us 100 which was cool. Um, I remember M was kind of getting scolded a little bit because she kept touching the, the girls. And they told us that it was kind of a no-touch date, which we thought was funny because New Orleans was so raucous and wild otherwise and then for us not to be able to touch the the strippers just seemed strange (laughs) uh counterintuitive uh but that's fine no big deal i don't mind sitting on my hands i still have a good time but uh 
Emma's having a hard time a little bit. <laughs> but we, that was cool. I think uh, she ex exchanged information with the strippers. I, th I'm, I think I follow Summer on uh, Instagram. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I th think that Emma was really excited to maybe have a threesome with Summer and was trying to make it happen. I think Summer called her at like 5 in the morning and was like, what are you up to? But I kept having to remind Emma that we were staying at her sister's guest room and it might not be cool to <laughs> invite a stripper over for a threesome when we're a guest in someone's home and she i think agreed that that might not be the best plan and uh so it didn't really pursue it per se but that was really fun um we it was definitely a good time and at uh at some point we bounced from um from rick's cabaret and we w walked back to uh uh M's uh, sister's place and I remember it was really lively there was a lot of drunk people it seemed like a lot of people on pretty heavy drugs maybe a little bit dangerous so I made sure I held M's hand um, as we walked through the crowds um, tried to keep an eye out for our safety and till we got back to uh, her sister's place and we just crashed for the night we were exhausted after a long night and I think we both had plenty to drink so the the following morning was Saturday May 6th and uh, that was the day we had to drive to Houston uh, so we left New Orleans pretty early I don't even think we had breakfast or anything we just got like coffee and donuts on the road I remember uh, stopping at the uh, Indian dealership just outside of New Orleans to pick up uh, a t-shirt and uh then we hit the road oh actually you know before we did that too i remember having a a whole discussion with some random guy at the indian dealership about this custom uh chopper that they had on display that uh if you're into choppers and stuff you know what a sugar bear uh springer fork looks like and it's pretty recognizable it's the classic kind of front end for a 70s style chopper i mean kind of in my mind any chopper to this day uh but it has a really distinctive look that's pretty obvious and uh, me and this guy were kind of going back and forth about whether or not it was an actual sugar bear front end or not because uh there were some uh little details that seemed a little bit off and uh it was just this I don't know. It's just the funniest thing, these random conversations you'd have with people just driving across the country, and he was a real character. Um, but we ended up, uh, that was a long, long drive. Um, we hit terrible thunderstorms leaving uh, Louisiana. I had to slow down to like 50 miles an hour where it was usually a 70-mile-per-hour speed limit. Um and we kind of broke out of that. And then we were in this like zone of uh, huge industrial refineries as we got into Texas, it, like really changed and got kind of dark and gloomy. Um, and as we got closer and closer to Houston, the freeway system just got more and more fucked up and confusing. And it seems like our GPS was having a hard time uh, keeping us on route. I remember there were a lot of like three lane left exits and stuff in Houston that just, 
uh, is not the usual <laughs> as far as freeway systems go. It seemed pretty obvious as soon as we got to Houston that it must have gone through a, a period of just tremendous population growth. And with that came extra traffic. And they just kind of panicked and tried to build a freeway system to alleviate a lot of the congestion that they were dealing with. And it just, it made this fucking maze of a freeway system that didn't make much sense at all. Um, terribly confusing. It was really backed up during the rush hour times. Um, just fucking chaos <laughs> right off the bat. Um, and also, uh, <clears throat> I didn't realize it at the time, but I had planned to check out a, a custom car event um, in Houston. And when I was looking at the feeds um, about these uh, car shows and stuff, they were always on Sundays. It was like this slab Sundays thing. And so I just assumed that I would need to be in Houston on a Sunday to check out these cars now because it was Cinco de Mayo that weekend the schedule got a little changed so the party that I thought was going to happen on that Sunday actually happened the day after Cinco de Mayo on the Saturday when we first arrived in Houston so if I had tripped on that we would have gone to the car show and checked it out and it would have been all good um but I had the days wrong, so we didn't go. We actually just went and got a steak dinner at a cool old-timey place called Christie's. That was pretty fun. A lot of old people in there. They were kind of tripping out on me and my girl with all the tattoos and stuff. <laughs> but that uh, was cool. And then we went to, uh, uh, like, another vintage row that was uh, there in Houston, um, not far from where we were staying and uh, they had like four or five really nice vintage shops in a row. And I think M found a few things. And uh, she also just randomly met this cute girl that I think complimented her and got a conversation going. And turned out she was a, a former stripper. And M asked her, you know, where we should go um, in Houston. And this girl told us a place called Colorado. Um, so we, we kept that in our minds. And... Uh, because there were like lots and lots of strip clubs around our hotel and we had really no idea where to go but the school recommended this place so we were like okay we'll try that um and i think that night we were again just pretty wrecked and uh got back to the hotel and just tried to get some sleep i think we were able to actually sleep pretty well at the the hotel in houston for some reason so we were able to kind of get our strength back so then on that Sunday, May 7th, um, we got up, you know, a little later, had breakfast at a place called House of Pies that I was familiar with from um, a place they have in uh, Los Angeles. Um, that's the same. Um, that was really fun and good. We ended up getting some pie to take with us, too. That was awesome. We uh, put it in the fridge at the hotel and enjoyed it that evening. Um we also went to this cool little uh, flea market. Um, it was kind of raining that morning, and luckily this uh, was like a Mexican flea market was indoors. Um, and we went in there, and 
there was so much cool stuff, great fruit drinks and things that we got. And uh, we found a guy there that had a, a stand with an airbrush and he was doing airbrushed uh, T-shirts. And I hadn't seen anybody do that in a while and didn't hesitate and was like, yo, you should get something. And so M got a, hired this guy to make a shirt for her that said Zaddy, Z-A-D-D-Y. It's her nickname for me. I love it. And uh, so we paid the guy. I think it was only 15 bucks, And uh, told us, you know, just to cruise around the mall some more in 15 minutes, you know, to be ready. And uh, that's what we did. We cruised around. I ended up going to this, like, uh, little booth where the dude was selling construction and equipment and tools and things. And uh, I was looking in the case at these uh, construction crayons. And uh, there was this uh, uh, younger Mexican dude that was looking at the same things, and he uh, pointed at a few things, and the, the, the guy that owned the place grabbed them. And I noticed that uh, the guy had asked for, like, a little wooden handle that the construction crayons would go inside of that I'd never seen before. And I'd been using those construction crayons as, like, tagger uh, marker kind of things for a long time. They're a great thing to use, especially on freight trains. And uh, so I saw that, and I asked the guy, you know, what's up with the handles? Which one's better than the other? Because they had a few different. And he recommended the wooden handles. So I got one, too, and I bought uh, 10 of the uh, construction crayons and yellow and orange, or yellow and red, I guess it is. And uh, I thought that was a, quite a come up. I, I have them right here on my desk right now. I'm excited to go hit some freight trains here in the next few days. There's some park just up the street. Um, so we got that and had some drinks and cruised back around. And on the way back towards the T-shirt uh, guy, I, I got a phone call from a Houston number. And I figured it was just the T-shirt guy letting us know that it was ready. So I just ignored the call. And as soon as we came around the corner, he was like, oh, there you are, right on. Here's the shirt. And he fucking hooked it up so nice. It had all kinds of cool, like, little bonus details. He used some stencils and stuff. He used the colors that she chose. Such a cool thing. I th think I tipped him another five bucks when we picked it up because I was just so pumped, you know, and I felt like he deserved a little bit more. Felt like if he was working at, like, a, uh, a similar kind of thing here in San Diego, he'd be getting 40, 50 bucks for the T-shirts. But, you know, we were we were pumped. So we left there feeling really good. Um, then we drove out to the Gulf. Uh, both of us wanted to see the the uh, Gulf of Mexico and uh, just check out the the coastline there. And uh, I knew it wasn't going to be very fancy just because Houston is just so industrial. But um, I noticed a place on the map called uh, Sylvan Beach. Uh, S-Y-L-V-A-N, I think. And so we, we drove out there, and it was mostly, like, refineries and stuff, and there was just this little pocket of uh, sandy beach um, at this park, and it was a place where fishermen were uh, pulling stuff into, like an actual fisherman's uh, pier where uh, regular people weren't allowed on it, like a real working pier. And uh, we kicked it down there, and we got in the water. It was pretty slimy and weird <laughs> to be honest uh and it was overcast it, was, it wasn't uh 
a pretty day, but there were plenty of people out there, plenty of families swimming in the water, getting loose, and uh, it was uh, it was worth seeing. And the little town there uh, by that beach park uh, was really cute, and we stopped and looked at some vintage stores there, and uh, found a few cool little things, and uh, drove back into uh, Houston, and I think we just chilled at the hotel for a little bit and regrouped, um, and then uh, I saw the on the freeway there, uh, there was a big comic book shop called Third Planet, I think is what it was called, and I wanted to check that out. So we drove over there, and I was able to find a bunch of old uh, Dragon magazines that I collect, and uh, there was a few other titles I picked up just because the illustration styles were really interesting. And I picked up an old uh, movie poster that I planned to draw all over and uh, resell as an art piece. Uh, I'll have more on that in the future. <laughs> You'll see. It's, it's a funny poster. Um, and at some point, I think, that day, I realized that I fucked up as far as the, the car show was concerned and uh, realized that we had missed it the night before. So without much information, I didn't know what to go on. But I did have the address where the party was the previous evening. So we drove over there hoping there might be something happening. But it was just a parking lot um, at this uh, Dope House Records place. And there was nothing going on, no cars, no nothing. So I missed out. But by then I was kind of sick of Houston and didn't really care to drive around looking for that shit so we just said fuck it and uh uh where did we go let's see third planet oh and then we went to the colorado strip club (laughs) that was recommended to us by the the girl that m met at the vintage store had this really cool uh neon sign out front which you know was was nice and made it seem like we were going to go to a cool place. We had just missed the entrance because there was no sign telling you where the entrance was. <laughs> and so I, I turned in uh, a little bit late, and uh, there was this big fucking broken sidewalk, and I bottomed out my car, and it pissed me off that somebody would fucking just leave that shit out where people like myself could jack their car up on it. And, I don't know. Just put me in a bad mood. <laughs> Bum me out. So we park the car and <clears throat> we go up to the club and there's a guy in uh, you know, full security gear with a bulletproof vest and guns and shit and he lets us in and checks our IDs and I don't think there was a cover that night. It was a uh it was a Sunday and we were there pretty early. It was probably like eight o'clock which is kind of a dead time i guess for strip clubs on sunday at eight but they also advertised that they did food and we heard the food was decent so we were planning on having dinner there and having some drinks and maybe getting some lap dances and talking to some girls and having a, a great time you know fucking houston strip club let's do this but uh it sucked uh the girl the hostess sat us down in like the dumbest place in the whole spot just like right next to these other people that were getting lap dances and shit and across from this like solo dude that just stared at my girl the whole time and it was bad so they they sat us down we knew it was kind of weird 
but we were going to see, you know, maybe it'll get better. We ordered some drinks from their menu, and uh, the the waitress acted like she'd never heard what we ordered, even though it was from the menu that she gave us, which was kind of a sign like, uh-oh, <laughs> these people have their heads in their asses. This waitress doesn't even know what's on her own menu. That's a bad sign. So we had to explain it to her and show her on the menu what we wanted. And she was like, okay. And then she went to the bar, got the drinks, came back. And I remember specifically on the, uh, on the menu, the prices were marked as $7 or $9. And I couldn't really tell what the difference between the two was, but I assumed, okay, at the most, these will be $9 each. So, she comes back and she's like that'll be $23 and I'm like how did that go from 18 to 23 so fast even with tax and whatnot like that doesn't make any sense but I just took a note of it in my head I didn't bring it up to the waitress but I was I'd been in other strip clubs where they would pull shady stuff to get extra money out of you it's kind of it's a sad part of that business but sometimes clubs just don't make enough money and they got to do shady shit so you just got to watch out for that if you're somebody that's going to a new club. Like, the, they do have ways of stealing money from you. So I didn't mind it. I gave her the $23. I didn't tip her because I was like, that doesn't seem right. And then uh, she came back, I think before she even left with the money, I asked her, can I get a glass of water? And she was like do you want ice in the water? And I said, yes. And I think M said, I would like one too. So she goes away and M and I are having our Jaeger bomb shot things. Um, <laughs> and uh, the lady comes back with just one glass full of ice, no water. And M and I look at each other like, wait a minute, what the fuck? <laughs> she just brought us a glass of ice. We and she asked us if we wanted ice in our water, but she didn't bring water. So then we were like, is she, I don't know, has she got problems, mental problems? Or what's going on here? This is really strange. Uh, but she came back around again, and we were still playing ball. And uh, we were like, can we order some food? And uh, she was like, sure. And I think we just ordered, I ordered like a cheeseburger. I think M ordered like a chicken sandwich or something. And they were pretty expensive. It was like, what were they? They were like $15 or $18 or something for each thing. And we were like, whatever, we're in a strip club. Maybe they'll be really good. And, uh, and we were like, and, and can we get some water? You know, we asked for water and she was like, do you want bottles? And we were like, yeah, sure, whatever. We just, we want some water. And so she was like, okay, I'll add two water bottles. So then she goes away, she comes back and she's like, that'll be $59. And I was like, what? Hold up a second. That doesn't add up at all. Not even close. And she was like, well, I can get you a ticket. And you can see, and I was like, okay, why don't you get me a ticket printed? So she goes away, she comes back, 
Em and I are looking at each other like, what the fuck is going on here? Because <laughs> we, we had thus far had, had really good experiences in each strip club and felt like nobody was really trying to rip us off, you know? So this was really strange um, and kind of out of left field, and we were really getting suspicious. So I get the ticket, and it turns out she was trying to charge me $13 for each of the water bottles. And I was just, as soon as I saw that on the ticket, was like, what the fuck? And I think I showed M and was like, no way. Like, this is bad, you know? And like I say, we usually have a really good attitude and, and we'll kind of play along a little bit. But this was just too far. So I gave her the ticket back and I gave her the two bottles of water back. And I was like, just go ahead and cancel that order. We'll just have our drinks and we'll split. Thank you very much. And she was very kind of confused. She still hadn't gotten a tip per se, but she'd fucked up so royally. And it was so obvious that she or the management there or whatever was trying to rip us off. So uh, we felt violated. (laughs) So we didn't even finish our shots. I think we were just like, fuck this place. And, And we just left. And we're just like, wow, that was... That was really terrible. What? Damn. <laughs> We're kind of dumbfounded. So we thought, uh, we'll, we'll just have a nice steak dinner somewhere. We're in Houston, Texas. You know, we'll be able to have a, a great steak. And uh, she, uh, M just did a quick research on what restaurants were nearby where we were. And she found a place called Salt Creek. Um, I don't know if it's a chain in Texas or not, but it was... It was all right. It was, you know, it looked nice. The waiter was super, super nice. Everything was clean and cool. And, uh, you know, it was good vibes in there. But uh, we, when we just before, we ordered and there was a couple sitting in a table next to us. And uh, M had noticed that the lady there had ordered the same things that she ordered. So she was just kind of curious when the food came out what it looked like. So she kept an eye on it when they uh, set the food out for the other folks. And pretty much immediately the lady at the other table had the waiter come back and was just like, yo, this is so salty. This is like out of hand salty. I've never had anything like this before. This is like... I, I I can't believe it kind of can can I get it done without the salt please and she sent it back and M told me that she thought that lady was being a, a kind of snotty because she had really never sent any food back herself you know and thought that people that sent food back were kind of trashy or whatever but you know maybe this lady had real reason so in any case she get uh, she, her food gets taken away and I think she gets another one brought, and she's she's happier. But she was still talking to her husband, and she even started talking to us, like, oh, you know, oh my God, you know, <laughs> it was wild. And so our meals show up, and M starts eating hers, and she's like, oh my God, the lady's right. This is like crazy salty. Like, what the fuck? Who would salt it this much? It was just way too much. And granted, the restaurant was called Salt Creek. So I was like, well, maybe that's just how they do things here. Maybe people come here because they like the salt. That That's kind of a, a draw, you know, like a, a, a feature of the restaurant. 
and, but we weren't really salt people, you know. But I had ordered a steak, and the first bite I took out of my steak, I was like, holy fuck, I laughed out loud, because it was fucking so salty. I, I had, I, I mean, I know restaurants will put a little bit of salt and seasoning and stuff on a steak. Like, when I cook them for myself at home, I don't put anything on them. I just eat them straight up, you know. I might put a little pepper, but usually nothing. So when it's got salt on it, I, I notice it. And I had never in my life had such a salty steak in my mouth. It was honestly just disgusting. And so we had to call our waiter over, and we both complained that our shit was, like, way too fucking salty. And then he was like, all right, so now this is three people in, like, five minutes complaining about the oversalting. So he took everything back to the kitchen, and they had kind of a lengthy discussion in the kitchen. I don't know what the fuck was going on, but they redid our food and brought it out, and it was much better without all the fucking salt on it. It was just so fucking bizarre. I, we, I just I couldn't tell if I was the one fucking up or they were. <laughs> I don't know. It was terrible. So we were just like, what the fuck, Houston? <laughs> Houston was just kind of kicking our ass. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, so we just went back to the hotel kind of feeling defeated. Uh and felt like it was kind of unnecessary for us to stay for a full day in Houston considering. So the next day we had another really long drive. Uh, so we, we got out of Houston early. We stopped uh, for lunch at a Whataburger. Uh, W-H-A-T-A-B-U-R-G-E-R. Whataburger. They're uh, a chain in the southwest. Um, and we were seeing signs for them all, kind of all over the place. And it was... Another place I was familiar with, but M had never been to one. So uh, we went to Whataburger, and I remember ordering just a, a jalapeno cheeseburger. And for some reason, the cashier heard a bacon cheeseburger. I don't know how you mix up jalapeno and bacon, but she did. And uh, <laughs> I thought that was really fucking funny. Because <laughs> I thought I was super clear, but I ended up getting not what I wanted and was already kind of hating on Whataburger because I'm from New Mexico and most New Mexicans would agree that Lotta Burger is a lot better. L O T A Burger. Um, and they were their rivals in Albuquerque. There's Whataburgers and Lotta Burgers. Uh, and so there's definitely opinions on which place is good or not. But we went to this Whataburger. I think we were in San Antonio and it was fucking trash <laughs> and i remember we posted too that on my instagram it wasn't as good as Lauterburger, and the people from Lauterburger's instagram hit me back like goddamn right <laughs> thought that was funny to get a, a dm from a, a corporation like that um so that day really we just drove and drove and drove and drove all the way across into western texas um our destination was a place called fort stockton I had uh, booked a hotel at like a, I think it was a Hilton, was it a Hilton? I forget what, maybe a Best Western Hotel. And I had the address from the, the confirmation when I booked it. 
and uh, we get out there, and as soon as we're in the town of Fort Stockton, the GPS starts fucking up, and it, it can't tell if I'm on the frontage road of the highway or the actual highway, and so it's second-guessing itself and asking me to make turns when I'm on the highway and asking me to exit off the highway when I'm on the frontage road. It was terribly confusing. Pretty worthless out there, and so the GPS route routed me to the address that I had listed and we get there and there's nothing it's just a dirt field and I'm like fuck that's the first time this has ever happened I've like booked a hotel and then you get there and there's no hotel (laughs) so I ended up looking up the address by the name of the hotel and it turned out it was just 10 minutes up the road the opposite direction than I went and uh, we were able to find it, and I think I mentioned it to the person at the front desk that the address I was given on the original reservation was wrong, and was just this whole thing. Uh, but we did eventually get settled in there. Uh, the hotel was nice. Um, we saw that they had this gigantic uh, Roadrunner sculpture in Fort Stockton, uh, as like a, a cool landmark thing. So we drove over it over there and checked it out and got our tourist pictures with it. And it was funny to see people in my DMs that recognized it that grew up around there were stoked to see that we were in their funny little town in Texas. We ended up getting really good Mexican food at a place called Papitos. But again, we got sopapillas and they were like not New Mexico style at all. They were stale and crunchy and they put like uh powdered uh not or they put sugar on them and cinnamon and stuff it was just not the same at all <laughs> but that's how it goes with fucking sopapillas and then uh she uh m found a spot to play some pool a place called lulu's uh sticks s-t-i-x-x i thought that name was pretty cool and we rolled down there and had some drinks and played some pool with the locals and uh that was chill. It was just super windy and quiet. It was a Monday in the middle of nowhere in western Texas. and Went back to the hotel and rolled up some joints and went out back and looked out over the desert and smoked some weed and tried to keep an eye out for the cops because we knew we'd be in deep shit in rural Texas <laughs> with weed on us. So we tried to be chill. Um that next morning on, uh, that was Tuesday, May 9th, we left Fort Stockton early because we had another long drive all the way to Tucson. Uh, once we got to uh, New Mexico, we got uh, we got an extra hour. We had to set our clocks back because we went into a new time zone from Texas into uh, into New Mexico. We drove up to... Uh, up through El Paso into Las Cruces, and we stopped there to have uh, lunch at Burger with an L, uh, and met my uh, nephew Sage, who was uh, going to school there in college, and uh, it was really nice to see him. I got to see his brother when I was rolling through Albuquerque, and I missed uh, Sage, so it was nice to see him in, in Las Cruces, and nice to catch up with him and see what he was doing. And, uh, we had, uh, we knew we were going to run into some more, uh, checkpoints and whatnot on the highway. Uh, so Em and I decided to, uh, get rid of whatever 
stuff we had on us. I had a few joints that I had rolled using the last of the weed I got from Killer Mike when I was in Atlanta. Um, and uh, M had these uh, little mushroom capsules that she was a little paranoid about having on her. So we gave those to Sage um, in good keeping. <laughs> he was pretty pumped. And uh, so we, we left... Uh, Las Cruces and just kept heading west. Um, once we hit uh, Arizona, we got another hour back. So in just a single day, we got two hours um, of our lives kind of back. Uh, and uh, that was just a, a really fucking weird day. Uh, on that drive, too, uh, we stopped at a place called The Thing, it's like a museum of aliens and dinosaurs as if they coexisted at a time and that there's this whole uh, storyline that uh, aliens have been influencing uh, human culture for, you know, hundreds of years, thousands of years, you know. Uh, it was just such a fucking bizarre thing, but really, really well done. Uh, the sculptures of the dinosaurs and the aliens were fucking amazing. The soundtrack was dope. The lighting was cool. The storyline was, like, so complete it was bizarre. And at the end, they just had all these weird, like, old cars and things that they kind of insinuated could have been in these very uh, historical situations, but probably not. Uh, it didn't make a lot of sense, but it was funny and it was worth it. I think it was only like five bucks. <laughs> it was fucking really cool. And they had a really amazing, uh, like gift shop and shit there. That place was super fucking funny. The thing, uh, once we got to, uh, Tucson, uh, we went and, uh, got checked in at the hotel and then went and bought some weed um, I bought a bunch of pre-rolls, I think was all I got, um, just because I, I knew I was just needing a few to smoke before we, I basically, I wanted to have no marijuana on me once we got to like California, knowing that we were going to have to go back through the Campo uh, Border Patrol station where we had, where we got stopped on the way out, if you didn't catch that story yet you should check out uh part one of this uh this uh podcast because uh, uh that's a good story but anyway uh the uh so i just got a few um what did we do we went to the uh i went to the indian dealership in tucson that day and got some more uh t-shirts for myself and my dad um, we had uh, Italian food. I saw that this place called Bianchi's um, had a decent gluten-free pizza. I kind of need to avoid gluten because it fucks me up, but uh, it's kind of hard to resist. <laughs> but uh, a place has a good gluten-free pizza. I always want to try it. So we checked this place out. It wasn't terrible. It was kind of normal for gluten-free pizza, which is terrible. <laughs> it's rare that somebody does them well. Um, but we tried and, but it was filling nonetheless and we had a good time. And once we left there, uh, M wanted to stop by a donut spot. So we went to a place called Amy's and, uh, got a bunch of dope donuts to eat on the drive the next morning. 
Um, and we had some leftover pizza that we brought with us too. So when we got back to our hotel, we noticed that there was like a group of crackheads that was lurking behind the uh, little uh, convenience store on the corner. So I rolled over there and offered them the pizza and they were fucking super pumped. And that felt good to at least get some food in them instead of fucking crack. <laughs> and uh, then uh, M and I ended up... Uh, chilling out in the hot tub there at the hotel the one in, in tucson there was open it was nice um and we just uh we chilled we were still terribly exhausted that was another drive of like seven or eight hours in a single day and then uh on uh, uh i guess this was just last monday may or wednesday actually may 10th uh was the last day of our trip and uh, we had breakfast in Tucson at a place called KG's Westside Cafe that was super fucking delicious. And then uh, we hit the road out of Tucson. Um, I wanted to stop in Yuma, Arizona. It's like the nearest town to the border of California, if I remember right. And uh, I wanted to buy some bullets um, for my firearms because it can be a real pain in the ass to buy bullets in California and expensive. So if I can, when I'm in Arizona, I'll try to stop at a gun spot and see what I can get. So we found this place. Um, fuck, I can't even remember the name of it. It just popped up in a Google search and they didn't, it wasn't a very big shop. I, I There was a Sportsman's Paradise there, which probably would have had more rounds for cheap, but I preferred to go to an independently owned gun shop. I'm kind of the same way about buying skateboards and stuff. If I can go to the local spot, I'll, I'll do that and support them. So we went to this out-of-the-way little warehousey spot, and uh, they didn't have that many rounds, but I, I still ended up spending a little over $300 um, just on pistol rounds and rifle stuff and shotgun shells. Um, again, stuff that's just pain in the ass to get in California. Um, I remember, too, when I was paying for it, um, I, I was going to pay cash and I had a whole bunch of bills on me, but I didn't have enough in my pocket to pay for the bullets. And I was like, Oh wait, I have a stash of hundreds in the, in the car. Let me run out. And, uh, I remember the lady at the register thought that was kind of funny. Like, Oh yeah, he's got a stash of hundreds in the car. Like what, what are you two up to? You know, like me and M were shady and we must've looked really shady. You know, these tattooed people and coming into the gun shop on a weekday and buying lots and lots of bullets uh but i came back with the hundreds and the lady thought that was pretty funny and i guess uh while uh i had left m alone in the gun shop the the lady at the register was just staring at m's tattoos and making her feel really uncomfortable uh <laughs> but uh i came back paid for the stuff and uh we we left there, and uh, I remember sitting in the, I think we were still sitting in the car in the parking lot of there, and I looked over at him, and I was like, I think we just bought bullets from neo-Nazis, and she was like, what? And I was like, did you see the, the fucking Confederate flag hanging over the door of their office? And she was like, no. And I was like, what? <laughs> A full-size Confederate flag? You didn't notice that? And she was like, no, I didn't. And I was like, fuck. 
Yeah, and I was like, see how, because there was a, the lady's husband was in the back of the shop, and he didn't really want us to see his face. It was pretty obvious. He just came out with, like, boxes of shells to give to his wife to sell to us and told us how much they were from behind the wall. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they were some shady, shady people for sure, and they must have thought we were uh, shady like them because, uh, I don't know. It was a vibe for sure. I was picking up, you know, that I don't know. And they were saying that they had to move their business a lot and they'd been all over the country. And I just was like, man, these people seem sketchy. (laughs) So yeah, that was uh, good times in Yuma, Arizona, buying bullets from neo-Nazis. But, uh, so we're leaving there. And I think I had one joint left. And uh, I thought, well, it'd probably be a perfect time to smoke it just as I'm leaving Yuma before we get to California. Had it all timed out. Last joint, you know. So we're headed out on the highway. And I light up that last joint. I'm all pumped. It's a full gram joint. Nice big one. I think I paid 15 bucks for it. And uh, it was a special one, you know. And... I got like two puffs on it and I'm looking up the highway and I see this kind of shed thing that goes over the highway and I know that means inspection station and I'm assuming border patrol and I must have just fucking forgot. I've gone through Yuma so many times but there's a checkpoint there just outside of Yuma. So I puffed on this joint fucking twice and was like shit. I got to dump this fucker. And now the car smells so much like weed because I just fucking smoked. And I was like, ah, fuck, 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 fuck. But didn't panic. Threw the joint out the window. Rolled the windows down. Turned the AC all the way up. And just hoped to God there wasn't a dog or any bullshit. So we pull up to the the inspection station And sure enough, it's not Border Patrol. It's just a Department of Agriculture. They're just looking to make sure people aren't bringing plants into California from elsewhere. And there were multiple uh, lanes open. And there was only uh, uh, one attendant at one of the lanes. And and it wasn't mine. So there was nobody even at my uh, inspection booth there. So they just waved us all through. And I just felt like such an asshole for <laughs> fucking wasting a brand new joint. If I had only waited like, fuck, five, ten minutes, everything would have been fine. But luckily, uh, M had bought some uh, clove cigarettes. <laughs> so we smoked cloves the rest of the way into California. And uh, I remember... Uh, when we were getting close to the Campo uh, Border Patrol station, we were both getting a little stressed because we got stopped the first time. So as we're getting close to it, it, we keep seeing signs that say it's closed. And then we get to the, to the station, and sure enough, it's closed. We had nothing to worry about. It was all good. That was kind of the situation I was used to. Um, it was just random that we got stopped by the drug dog on the way <laughs> out of California, but shit happens. So we got th- into San Diego County, no problem. Uh, I think the first place we went to was the my local weed shop here by the studio, and 
got a, a cheap ounce and went to the studio here and unloaded the posters and the table and chair and stuff that I had and rolled some joints and smoked out. And then uh, Em and I ended up just having dinner at uh, Abby's Barbecue up the street here, my favorite spot, and went back to my place and crashed and slept for like 12 hours. We were so wrecked. Uh, and that was the end of our trip. It was uh, really fucking amazing. It's really... Uh, I'm glad I drove it too because I got to see so much of the country that I hadn't seen before that a whole like part of the country from Nashville south was really beautiful all the thick woods and the rainstorms and the people were super super nice you know people really did say (laughs) y'all when we were in Texas and uh I don't know we just had a really good time the the highlight I think for both of us was definitely the the threesome in Albuquerque, uh, but I, <laughs> I I I did really enjoy New Orleans. I, I think I'd love to go back there sometime. And uh, Atlanta was really fun. Um, I've been thinking about maybe doing like a a week's worth of tattoos in Atlanta and uh, New Orleans, but not until like the winter. I'd love to go down there when it's cold because it was hot as shit when we were there and I just wasn't very comfortable and doubt I would be all that comfortable tattooing in that kind of weather and uh, yeah that was that was that I hope you uh, enjoyed the recollection of the adventure Uh, in the next podcast I think I'm going to start talking about 1997 kind of doing those recollection podcasts um so until then thanks for listening i appreciate the support and uh yeah hope you're good